So thank you everyone for coming, facing the bitter cold to get here. Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. I was going to start by doing a little summary since we're reaching the halfway, a little bit beyond the halfway point of this Anacheta. Just go back and bring us up to date where where the discourse has taken us and the various uh, truths have come up to this point, uh, the various tattvas that uh, Jiva's presented uh, in recapping the pastime and in basically just giving a, a, a very extended and deep purport to a series of verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we started in this section, Anacheta 79, uh, Jiva Goswami has just established the distinction between the Ekapad Vibhuti and the Tripad Vibhuti, the one-dimensional materialistic existence which has a dimension of only one, that only ends in one thing, mortality. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't really have much more to offer. I know that sounds like a very... Sounds like a pretty uh, fatalistic approach to uh, the material, to life of the majority of living entities in the material realm. But if you think about it deeply, if you truly are on a spiritual path, and you think deeply about material, your material life what other conclusion will you be able to arrive at? What does this world offer that doesn't end in absolute and total destruction? Nothing. You can't think. If you think deeply, if you contemplate, it's hard. can you come up with anything? There's nothing that doesn't end in death. Everything comes to a to a close. Of course, then it sprouts up again. But what kind of an existence is that? This continual running in samsara. So the last anucheta is leading up to the 79th brought home this point: the distinction between the the one-dimensional material existence, which is has only the dimension of a brick wall at the end, whatever you want to call it, death, uh, destruction, annihilation, and the three-pod, uh, which is no death, deathlessness, eternality, uh, and because of internality, it's a, everything. In the spiritual realm, if we can contemplate that, exists forever. And in existing forever, has a complete elimination of a primary characteristic of material existence. 
with this fear. Everything here ends in death, so you're fearful, and you're fearful a lot. You're fearful that what you have will be taken away from you, and guess what? It will be. Who you have will be taken away from you, and they will be. Where you have will be taken away from you, and it also will. So where do you have to look in material existence where there is, there's fear at every stage? Right now, I'm here, and I can form coherent sentences to some extent, not very well, but to some extent, and, and express them. Two or three years from now, I could, I could be attacked by who knows what, what do they call it, uh, dementia or what, no, what, what is the word? Yeah, and I would just be here saying, who do you, you know, I, So that's, there's no fearlessness if there's no end to things. So, and the other quality of the spiritual nature, natural quality is, well, then everything in that realm is working in my favor. It's all auspicious. So the three pods. So in the beginning of... Uh, of Prabhupada's preaching, he would preach, there's the three-quarter and the one-quarter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... <clears throat> one-quarter Yeah. But anyway, this is, this is the, the deeper understanding of that, of what Prabhupada meant there. Mm -hmm. It's not like the spiritual world certainly is much larger than the material realm. But they're One's limited and one's unlimited. But there's unlimited of the ones. You couldn't come to an end of counting them. So in this way, the transcendental opulences of the Tripod Vibhuti is manifested by virtue of the internal potency, Surup Shakti. In these matters, Jiva said, starts, 70, the 79th Anucheta, in these matters, enlightened teachers who have perfected themselves in the culture of Burman will serve as our evidence. As shown in the following 14 verses spoken by Sri Brahma. Some are spoken by Brahma, some are Brahma's recounting of the prayers of the Kumars also, so nestled within that are also the Kumar's personal prayers to the Lord. So we begin with the, uh, from the third canto, 15th chapter, 37th verse. On becoming aware of the offense committed by the sages, I'm sorry, offense committed to the sages by members of his own entourage, the lotus enabled Lord, who is cherished, by the noble immediately went there accompanied by the goddess of fortune walking on the very feet that are so eagerly sought by highly enlightened mystics and great sages. Uh, 
just to recount, this is very significant. The Lord went there. He walked there himself. Uh, this is, you know, quite an amazing thing. He wanted to settle the angry minds of the Kumars. So he figured he would walk there. He didn't walk alone. He came with his old entourage, and especially with Lakshmi. Well, if I can't settle their anger, Lakshmi might be able to because they're young men, but they're also gentlemen. And in the in the presence of a lady, they don't want to show their anger. Um, and so he comes immediately. He walks there, and... It wasn't like he was fully aware of what was going on, fully cognizant. He is the Supreme Lord. Anyway, so he was fully aware, and he he came there with that uh, intent of, of settling the situation. That, I mean, his... his, his intimate servants which he does not, he's not able really to distinguish between himself and his devotees. The connection is so close. The loving relationship between the Lord and his devotees is so intimate that if you hurt his devotee, you hurt him. And if his devotee hurts you, the Lord feels that he's committed the, self, the offense himself. So that's, that's the, the feeling that's there. And we find that the Kumars pick up on this feeling as, as the more they're in the association of the Lord. So the Kumars who had equanimity, the Brahmavadis, they see everything equally, good, bad, hot, cold, happy, sad, uh, they don't make a distinction, but they made distinction with the Lord's servants. Oops. Were moreover surprised to discover that here before them were two residents of Vaikuntha who seemed to be devoid of such equal vision. Why? How could how could these servants of the Lord not have the same equanimity that they have, uh, being Brahman realized? So, but the Kumar's reaction was one of anger. Well, what kind of equanimity is that? So who was really more equal posed, poised? Well, Jaya and Vijaya. They simply humbly took whatever was, was given to them by these guests. And the curse is what was given, so they accepted that. So who was, you know, really the, this also, the whole incident is bringing out something that the Kumars are, were not aware of when it comes to the nature of the Absolute. From their very conception of the Absolute, being Brahmavadis, to to the characteristics of the personal absolute, that non-dual absolute. It's still non-dual, 
but now it's condensed spirituality. Complete non-duality, Advaya Gyan, not radical or partial non-duality that can account for oneness only through mere negation of dualism. Not radical or partial non-duality that account that can account for oneness only through mere negation of dualism. So it's it's a it's in a whole other class by you know by itself. This personal personal condensed spiritual revelation that they're experiencing. It is total non-duality. But within it, there are characteristics. The verses from the Bhagavatam continue. Then beheld him, they beheld him as they arrived, the fulfillment of their trance having become apparent to their eyes, accompanied by his own associates who brought with them the paraphernalia for his service. He was being fanned by two whisks, swan-like in beauty, the pleasing breeze of which shook the pearls that dangled from the white umbrella, appearing like drops of nectar falling from the full moon. So now they're seeing the bliss of Brahmananda, which they experience continually. They're Brahma bodies. They're, they're totally, they don't, they're not, they don't exist in the material realm, so to speak. They're jivan muktas. Uh, they walk in the world, but they're not of the world. Um, elsewhere, the terminology has been used: uh, 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 waking samadhi, or and also walking samadhi. They're they're in samadhi, of Brahman, but they also could well they walk naked in the world. Uh, so such Brahmananda was completely overwhelmed by the beatific vision of the Lord. And here in this verse, this next verse, we have a slight glimpse of that vision. And, uh, you know, the characteristics of the servants of the Lord coming with him signify that he's non-different from the environment. And this has been established uh, repeatedly coming up to this point in the Bhagavat Sandarbha. The nature of Vaikuntha is also condensed Swarup Shakti. The nature of the Lord and his associates are also not to be seen as different from his very self. The Lord, smiling benevolently at all, being the abode of complete desirability, touched their hearts with his glances of affection. By the presence of the goddess of fortune Sri, on his broad, black, beautiful chest, it appeared as though he were radiating well-being throughout his own abode, the crest jewel of heavens. Um, one thing interesting in this is the the Kamars showed that they were not 
not able to tolerate even a little inconvenience. They wanted immediate access to the lotus feet of the Lord. Um, so this indicated that the Gemaras lacked such qualities even though they were perfected beings. Again, this is accentuating the the superiority of the qualities that develop in the Lord's servants as opposed to the Lord's admirers, so to speak. Those that are satisfied with Santa Ras are are satisfied with the beatific vision. Uh, There's more and more qualities the more one becomes uh, absorbed in a in a loving relationship with the Supreme. He was adorned with a girdle that shone brightly over the yellow cloth covering his broad hips, and he wore a garland of fresh flowers that resonated with the humming of bees. His lovely wrists were garlanded with bracelets. One of his hands rested on Garuda's shoulder, and the other and in the other, he twirled a lotus. So in the commentary here, it was shown that there was some competition even between the, the ornamentation and the clothing of the Lord. That the cloth, the yellow cloth he was wearing was feeling quite nice, but the girdle was saying, well, I'm on top of you. So, And then the, the flower garland was, you know, all around everything and the bumblebees were saying yeah but we're here buzzing and you know uh, enjoying the flower garland so uh, really everything here is our property so these are some thoughts that came to the commentator so they were humming in jubilation the bees his cheeks enhanced the beauty of his alligator shaped which were more brilliant than lightning. He had a predominant nose, and his head was covered with a gem-studded crown. A charming necklace hung between his stout arms, and his neck was adorned with the Kastuba gem. The exquisite beauty of the Lord seemed to create a doubt in the mind of his devotees who thought that it subdued the pride of the goddess of fortune. The Kumars, their eyes unsated, bowed their heads to Bhagavan in great bliss, who had taken this form of for my Sri Brahma's sake and for Shiva and for you gods. So now the revelation of the Kumars is becoming more and more intense and they here it comes out they 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 can't get enough of Krishna's form. There's just they just it's overwhelming and they but they still they wanted they want again and again to to see this. And this is just with the eyes. So with one sense they've become overwhelmed. And then the verse goes on, and other senses gradually come into the picture of being overwhelmed by the presence of, of, of Krishna. 
when the air carrying the elixir of Tulsi mixed with the filaments of the lotus-eyed lord's lotus feet entered within their within them through their own natural gateways, the nostrils, they experienced a commotion both in mind and in body, even though they were established in the bliss of the imperishable. Again, this is not direct contact with the Lord. They're just seeing him. And even the, the what the fragrance that's coming to them is not a fra- it's a fragrance that's coming from his servants. The flower garlands garland of, of Tulsi leaves and lotus filaments that are on his lotus feet and also the saffron from that that's that's so they're being overwhelmed by this scent and being overwhelmed by this scent their conception of brahmananda is now that's a shot this is gone you know what's the question this is an ocean of unfathomable spiritual enjoyment in the form of the lord and how can how can they how could they return to brahmananda after after this After looking up at the Lord's face, which appeared like the chalice of a blue lotus, its beauty enhanced by his laughing lips resembling the kunda flower, the sages certainly felt fulfilled. Then they lowered their eyes and began to meditate on the Lord's lotus feet with their reddish ruby-like nails. So in this verse, this is where we kind of left off at last class. Uh, seeing the Lord's form, smelling the fragrance of the Tulsi leaves from his lotus feet and the Tulsi garlands on his lotus feet are now starting to have, as come Jiva Goswami brings out in this section of the 79th Anucheta, the scent has entered into their heart. And in entering into the heart, it's now permeated their body and their hand, hairs are standing on end. Uh, what's the, uh, all, all of those Vibachari, the Vibachari Bob is uh, one of anxiousness that this may come to an end or I may not be, I may, you know, what's it say? Anxiousness at the non-fulfillment of one's heart's longing. Uh, In other words, they became apprehensive of perhaps this will, will, one thing would be that 
this will this will come to an end and then I'll be lost because I don't want to I don't want to ever give up this feeling of loving reciproc reciprocation because they are experiencing prame at this stage and as came out in the commentary the prame is been received by them as a merciful benediction from Brahma, their father, and Narada, their brother. So they actually, you know, and we talked about uh, the Vibhachari Bob, you know, is, is, is an additional Bob here that's coming up And it's it's just a further stimulant uh, to the to a loving experience of the Lord. Yes. Isn't that anxiousness though a type of fear? That's not supposed to be present. Well, I don't think it would be called a vibratory bob if it was. Because they're fearful something. that they're not going to get that the object of their pleasure is going to be taken away. But they won't be fulfilled. They're in the next, even in the spiritual realm, right? The gopis are always. Yeah, everyone, they're. I know. So, isn't that a type of fear, though? It's not that kind of fear. Like Krishna disappears. Oh my God, I'm fearful he's not going to come back. <laughs> yeah. And what's it doing? It's increasing the loving emotion. Yeah. And then when he does come back, then then it's it's even you know it's even uh, more of a fulfillment but it's not it's not a fear it's a fear that increases the longing and increases the loving sentiment it's not like a fear that i'm going to, everything something's going to be taken away although they feel that it has been taken away if I you don't feel know. it and experience it that way, then if in feeling it, mm -hmm. it increases your bhakti ras, mm -hmm. then that's what's that's why you know the that's what all the vibhachari bhavs do. They rise up and then they cre increase. Mm -hmm and fortify the re relation, the relational loving exchange you have with the Lord. It's a for, it, it does, it does increase it. Okay, that's different from material fear. In material fear, the fear is, I'll lose it and it'll never come back. <laughs> okay, to be continued. <laughs> well, more Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I think we are ready to continue now with the ninth part
the verses from the Bhagavatam continue, the Kumaras then began to offer perfect praises to the Lord, who had shown them his human form, which is the final goal for those seeking ultimate truth through the path of yoga, the most highly esteemed object of meditation, the greatest joy for the eyes, and which is naturally endowed with eight inherent supramundane opulences that have not been acquired through any other source. Some things that Jiva Goswami himself brings out in his Anucheta is that um, there's some wording here that's, that's nice uh, for an understanding of Brahman versus the Absolute in his when he manifests a form. It's still the same Supreme Advayagyana, non-dual absolute. They're both non-dual. But uh, the wording, the English translation that's used, I found particularly interesting, that Brahman is unconsolidated luminosity. So if we think of spirit as, as, as light, which it is often the analogy is there of luminosity, a brightness to the spirit, not inhibited by the darkness of material nature. So if it's unconsolidated, it's still it's still bright, it still still has a brightness to it, but it's unconsolidated. Whereas the form of the Lord is condensed luminosity. So there's a ni- it's a nice way to... S- and also, if you're preaching, oh yes, Brahman is there, but you have to understand the conception of Brahman is accepted. We as Vaishnav certainly accept it, but it's, it's unconsolidated luminosity. But if you consolidate it into the form of the Supreme, you know, then you have condensed luminosity. It's so much brighter. There you go. Uh, One thing that Jiva brings out here is the form of the Lord that came and manifested to the Kumars is that of a is non-different from the Guna avatar form of Garbodakshai Purusha. So that Purusha avatar, Karna Dakshai Vishnu, Garbodakshai Vishnu, Kashira Dakshai Vishnu, Garbodakshai Vishnu is that the form of the Lord that's manifest in an individual universal shell and from whose navel Brahma manifests. He lies on the Garbadak Ocean. So that same form of the Lord is the form of the Lord that the Kumars experienced. Jiva says, uh, means that the Lord showed his own form named Vishnu, 
which is non-different from the Guna Avatar form of Garbha Daksha Purusha. In other words, he did not show a form such as that of Brahma, which is different from his own. So Brahma, Brahma is also considered an avatar of the Lord, the sending power, you know, Saktavish avatar. So understand, Jeeva is just pointing out to us as, as, as students of his Sundarbha that this form is the form of, of Vishnu and the form is the same as the Garbhadak Vishnu. Also, Jiva brings out the fact that when we talk about the Lord's characteristics of having, um, what is it, supramundane opulences. So generally we consider these to be eight, they're referred to, and they're the yogic of the yogic cities jiva brings out in in his commentary here that these yogic cities are are inherent in the lord he didn't have to endeavor for them independent of himself like a yogi does jiva jiva words it this way the eight super mundane opulences Refer to the eight paranormal powers such as anima, excuse me, anima, atomization. In him, these powers are not mere external characteristics, but are intrinsic to his form. Since the opulence of the Lord indicated by these supermundane powers, Ashvarya, was the Kumar's object of reverence, it indicates that all opulences, bhaga, of the Lord are identical in nature to him. Next verse from the Bhagavatam. The Kumaras sang. So now we come to their prayers. And there's five verses here of their prayers to the Lord. And in these prayers, they, of course, follow the standard formula for prayers, but we see what their ultimate desire is, and that is to always, from now on, from this moment forward, after this revelation, we don't, we want to be bhaktas, and we don't care what price we have to pay, and what what punishment you may decide to bestow upon us for our offense to your devotees. The Kamara sang, O unlimited Lord, Ananta, although you are situated in the hearts of those who misconstrue the self, like we did, you remain invisible. But now you have come directly before our eyes, for you entered the core of our hearts through the ears when our Father, who was born of you, described to us your mysteries. It's now becoming apparent to them 
when the seed of their bhakti was planted. This is the fruition of a seed that was planted by our Father when he described you to us. We didn't get it then, but we get it now. Jiva goes on in his Anucheda. The Lord's own form had evoked these feelings in the Kamars. Now Sri Brahma offers further evidence in this form of citing their prayers in which they revealed their heartfelt emotions. So now their emotion is coming out. They want to express their love. Krishna has expressed his love by showing himself to them, by letting them experience in his form. And all this is what? They're, they're, they've, they've come to this platform by what? The causeless nature of bhakti. And what's the agency of that causeless nature of bhakti? The bhakta. So they're where they are now and they've experienced the revelation that they've experienced now through the mercy and it may have taken some time to mature, you know, but now it is it is maturing and it's becoming apparent to them. Now Sri Brahma offers further evidence of this form by citing their prayers. So Brahma is using their prayers now as evidence to the fact that the topmost revelation of the Supreme is one of his personal form, in which they revealed their heartfelt emotions. The prayers, the prayer has five verses, and we will explain them in reference to the words, even though they were established in the bliss of the imperishable. So Jiva is now going to go back and use the prayers of the Kamaras, who are well, they're the, in a universe, what are they? They're the fathers of Brahmavadis. They're the oldest Brahmavadis. Although their forms are young, they are the original Brahmavadis. The Kumars were thinking, this is Jiva, he's saying, this is, this is, this is what's going through their mind. You externally exist as Brahman, but that is nothing extraordinary. Indeed, just now you are present directly before our eyes in your personal form, which is the very form of the absolute truth of highly condensed luminosity. This form is manifested by a special function of your internal potency which is characterized by unalloyed being, Visuddha Sattva. This is our great fortune. To express this thought, the Kumaras said, O Ananta, O Unlimited One, although you have taken up residence in the hearts of those who misconstrue the self. In other words, there are others, transcendentalists, who don't have 
the full conception of the absolute truth and the Lord also takes up residence there but in an in, in an invisible form he doesn't manifest his form and even to the bhakta he seldom manifests this form in the very beginning like you were reading on Sunday Narda he did have a vision of the form of the Lord at the stage of sadhana bhakti of course he's no sadhana he's in Nitya but but the point made the point to be made to the reader of the Bhagavat is the fact that he is at the stage of sadhana and it's seldom the Lord's saying to him it's seldom that I that somebody gets my to experience my form at this stage and you won't see it again wow okay for what the rest of when well, you're not going to see it at least again in this lifetime. That must be really... Well, then why Fearful. live anymore in this, huh? <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's other things to be relished in, uh, in, in the, on the path of devotion that uh, we don't have to uh, we don't have to be fearful because implied in the Lord's statement to Narda is the fact that well you won't see it again in this life but you will see it again is the implication so there's there's much to look forward to So he's taken. He even takes up residence in the the hearts of other transcendentalists who who don't conceive of the form of the Lord as the topmost revelation. They may have another aspiration, Brahmati, Paramatmati, and not Bhagavaniti Subhutai. Brahma Sutras says, so Brahma Sutra, the Vedanta Sutra, says, by complete devotion, even the Supreme Lord is perceived directly as well as indirectly. This sutra is based on the following verse from the Shruti. The self-born creator designated the sense faculty to be directed externally, and therefore human beings look outward and do not see the self within. It's interesting. The self-born creator designated the sense faculty to pull us out, to use senses to, to perceive what's without. Desiring immortality, the wise self has turned his gaze inward and seen the indwelling Atman. That's from the probably the Katha Upanishad. Mm. Next, the Kumars explain the reason. Again, this is a Jiva is continuing. 
Next, the Kamars explain the reason why the Lord did not conceal himself from them. So all this Jiva is drawing from the Kumar's prayer. When our father Sri Brahma, who was born of you, described your mysteries, instructed us in the confidential knowledge of Brahman, at that very time you entered the core of our hearts, Guha, through the years. This means that you pervaded our intelligence in that particular form as Brahman. Thus it was said, even though they were established in the bliss of the imperishable. How much Bhakti Shakti is there in the lips that form the sound vibration that comes from the pure devotee. That, that the Lord immediately follows that sound vibration and enters into the heart of the listener, unbeknownst to him at the time. Although the senses do not have the power to perceive the Lord, who remains hidden to conventional awareness, he can be seen by bhakti. As Krishna says to Arjuna, bhakti, then the, the commentary finishes, bhakti could be received only by the mercy of a devotee. The Kumars had received the auspicious fortune to associate with Sri Brahma, a great bhakta of the Lord. Now, and by reading the next verse from the Bhagavatam. O Lord, though this form of yours, constituted of unalloyed being, sattva, through this form of yours, I'm sorry, constituted of unalloyed being, sattva, you are at present inducing love in these devotees. We know you in this very form to be the supreme truth of the self, atma-tattva which great sages realize within their hearts. After cutting asunder the knots of ego and becoming free from material attachment, through firm devotional service, understood through mercy, Anutapa. So the Lord raises an objection. Jiva's raising an objection on behalf of the Lord in his Anucheda. By the mystery that your father instructed you in, and which is known as the truth of the self, Atmatatva. I'm sorry, though, wait, but the mystery that your father instructed you in, and which is known as the truth of the self, Atmatatva, is invisible. Since I am visible, I must be something different from it. So Jiva's saying, well, well, Krishna's got to put up an objection here. Your Brahmavadis, you were you you were instructed by Brahma. I won't deny that, but he didn't instruct you in my personal form. He instructed you in Brahman realization, self realization, Atmatattva. You are the self. You are. You know, realization is when you when you merge with the oneness of all spiritual existence. The Kumars reply, Jiva continues in his Anucheda, 
That is not so. For by recognizing you, any idea we had that you are different from Brahman has been eliminated. You're not different from Brahman. You can't cheat us out of this personal form now by saying that our guru gave us the wrong information. There's no difference. So he gave us the right information. To this end, they speak this verse. O Supreme Lord, we know you, which is to say we recognize you as the supreme or exclusive truth of the self, the very embodiment, Swarup, of Brahman. So there's more to this Anocheta, which we'll continue with. The next discussion. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.